Welcome to Unlocking Impact. I'm your host, Sarah Schoenfeld, CEO of the Trade Impact Foundation. In this podcast, we cover issues at the intersection of the global economy, sustainability, and human rights. Today, we speak with Luisa Romero, an expert in blockchain and taxes, about the potential to utilize blockchain technology to increase government transparency. We hear a lot about blockchain, and personally, I have a hard time visualizing how it works. But in our conversation, Louisa explains what blockchain is, how it works, and walks us through this vision where blockchain could potentially unlock greater government transparency, change the way that we pay and the way we view our taxes, and just enhance our overall experience and relationship with our government. Eyes tend to glaze over a bit when we talk about taxes or government spending, but quickly, why should you care about taxes? Why should you care about this conversation? Well, when everyday people feel that they pay a ton of taxes and don't feel like they receive sufficient benefits in return or that money isn't used for the public good and instead that the money is wasted, Well, then people's trust in the government frays, and public trust is key to a working society. This concept was known way back in the late 1700s when a bunch of people living in what's today America felt that the government wasn't sufficiently representing their interests, and yet they were paying lots and lots of taxes to the government. And this led to a revolution and the founding of America, and the slogan of which was really no taxation without representation. And, you know, taxation without representation is tyranny. So if you have a country where people don't trust the government, this really erodes the rule of law, which is, in essence, comprised of a stable, reliable, and transparent government. So while in the U.S. we don't typically feel such a serious lack of representation to the extent of a revolution— In other places all over the globe, that feeling persists today. So a world where we have a better relationship with our government through a more transparent technological platform, for example, would be really a positive thing. And I think in many countries can seriously contribute to stabilizing a society. So Louisa and I first talk through what blockchain is. Then we'll discuss how we pay taxes today and how that burden could be alleviated through the use of technology. And then we get into this exciting vision of a transparent and personal tax-paying and government-spending experience. Conversations like these can help us learn to think beyond our day-to-day and beyond the limits that we see in front of us. I felt like my mind was opened, and I hope that yours is too. Okay, so today we speak with Louisa Romero, to hear her thoughts about how blockchain can provide unprecedented visibility to how our tax dollars are spent and the impact that we're having through paying our tax dollars. So Louisa is a former Ernst & Young consultant, and now she's an independent blockchain advisor and consultant, acting on both the project and product work streams. Louisa is a guest lecturer for the Accounting and Blockchain course at NYU, And for the last four years, she's been involved on various blockchain initiatives related to auditing and counting, real-time assurance for stable coins, and global tax solutions. You can follow Louisa on her LinkedIn, which is in the episode description. 
Louisa, thank you so much for joining us today as a guest on Unlocking Impact. Thank you so much, Sarah, for the invite. And it's great to reconnect with you from our times at EY. Yes, it's so nice to speak with you and see your face. I think if we could, before we get into the real nitty gritty details, I just want to make sure we all understand to some extent what is blockchain. And so, Louisa, in my mind, the way I vision and the way I envision blockchain is that basically when I'm, let's say I'm recording a transaction and I put some information into a computer, it gets uploaded to the blockchain, which in my head is like a cloud. And at the same exact second, instantaneously, that information that was just uploaded to the cloud gets downloaded in a number of computers all over the world. Is that close to what blockchain is? Yeah. So conceptually, it is right. You have, instead of having a central point where you have all the information, so let's think about a uh, system like SAP. Everything is on SAP. If you have a blockchain, is the distributed ledger, which is decentralized. So whatever information you have in the system, it won't be only on Sarah's computer. It will be on more a thousand computers, which makes it very hard to te- to temper. So it's kind of, in theory, temper-proof. It's immutable. That data is there. And if somebody tries to corrupt, they're going to have a very hard time, depending on the size or, or the data already on the blockchain. One thing I hear a lot also is about public blockchains and private blockchains. So when we're talking today about this concept with regards to taxes, are we talking about a public blockchain? And how is that different than a private blockchain? Yeah, so private, as you can imagine, you you will have restricted parties, right? So for example, we see a lot of industries right now where they have specific, so let's say a use case uh, into the retail. They will just have specific companies that are involved there. And when you talk about public, let's get Bitcoin. Bitcoin is public. Anybody can just join that blockchain. So me and you or whoever, we can just join. So the difference when we think about taxes, my point of view is today, we might start from a private or permission blockchain. And then hopefully in the future, we could move to a public where anybody could join. And when I talk a little bit about my my view more, I think my aim would be that any citizen, right, and even potentially not even a citizen of the country would be able to check information from that specific government through uh, a blockchain network, for example. Okay. No, that's really helpful. Thanks for explaining a bit of that distinction. But so now turning to our discussion. So let's start by saying, okay, how do we pay taxes today? How uh, do taxes closely impact our lives as the taxpayer? Let's start on that end. Okay. So most of us, right, pay taxes every day. So every time, for example, you buy something, you're paying taxes, or when you receive your salaries, there's withholding taxes we see in our pay slip, or when you receive investment income, or when you have cross-border transactions. So for example, what you used to work with importation and exportation, right? There's tax involved on that, or property tax, or even depending on the countries, you have taxes on transfer of goods. You're just transferring from one state to the other, you need to pay taxes. And I think it's interesting, like at my NYU classes, I always say to the students, many people, right, they see taxes as a boring subject. It's very relevant to our day-to-day life. If you think about it, an American will pay, in average, 
more than half a million taxes throughout their lifetime. And if you get like a very expensive state like New Jersey, you'll pay almost a million. So it is something that's that a is crazy, relevant. That's a crazy number. It is a crazy that's number. That's a really, right? that's, yeah, that really speaks to me. And I think one important point that at least I took for granted a lot was like coming from Brazil, I would see so many corruption fraud cases and say, oh, okay, here it goes again. But if you think about it, if somebody else is not collecting their taxes, somebody will need to collect. And people like us, right, that are doing the right thing, that are paying our taxes, we born with the, the, that cost. If somebody else is not paying, you're paying. If you're seeing those fraud or the evasion cases, you're paying the price. So why not, you know, part of my journey to blockchain was why not try to fix this on the source and make it a better process. So potentially like in cases like Estonia, for example, they digitized their government, they're using blockchain and they were able to reduce the, the VAT rates, which for me is just fixed by itself, how you could improve that. And that of course reflects to citizens' lives because you're paying less taxes, you're getting better services. So it is very important in my opinion. I saw this TikTok once and it was this guy was saying, well, you know, it was, it was in the U.S. It was time to pay taxes. And he was saying, well, you know what? The IRS, the tax authority in the U.S., they actually know how much taxes you owe, but they want you to calculate it just for fun. And they're going to test you and see if you're right. But they know the right number because of so many factors, right, that we talked about with regards to withholding, you know, that your paycheck is, is available in certain form to the government. So I think it's really interesting this concept on the taxpayer side of could we get rid of that process every year of, okay, I have to calculate how much I'm, I owe for taxes. I have to, you know, whether it's I'm doing it myself or I'm giving all this information to my accountant. Is there a world, is there part of this vision that you have where you're taking that process out of the picture? Definitely. And actually, this was when I had my aha moment, I always say, with blockchain, because First, I was reading so much and it started with crypto, right? And just to make it clear, crypto is just a use case, cryptocurrency of blockchain, which is the most famous one. So the comparison is when you had internet, you had emails, right? And email was how you refer to the internet. And then crypto is the same for blockchain, right? It's the first and most uh, famous case. So back in 2018, when I had uh, my aha moment, it was about how you could change uh, the way that we do taxes, and it was specifically to Latin America. And instead of sending, you know, those endless returns every month or every year, why we can connect the taxpayers and the tax authorities into one place and get them to exchange that information, which in fact was already being exchanged in real time through the electronic invoices, and and just get rid of that compliance. All like it's super cumbersome compliance, which in countries like Brazil, again, you spend more than 2,000 hours trying to comply with taxes. Yes, I totally see that this as the future where the compliance burden for the taxpayers like companies are, and like you said, for us, will reduce drastically, which already happens in countries like Chile and Spain. They get their return, right? From the tax authorities, you can go, you can do some checks, you know, see if everything's good, but you don't need to pay like a turbo tax and spend hours doing your taxes. Are there tax laws 
simpler? Probably. Well, when I moved to U.S., I'm like, what is this income tax for individuals? <laughs> it was just insane. Brazil, it's like the, the corporate law or right uh, VAT law. It's very hard. But here, the individual for me was like overwhelming. I didn't even know how to start that TurboTax. So yes. And, and like in other countries, for example, like Colombia or Brazil, they the government gives you the TurboTax equivalent. And you download for free, you know, you input the information. It's not that complex that you need somebody translating in a nice user experience for you, like TurboTax. Right. It's almost like they want you to know how much you need to pay and to get it right and to just pay it, right? Yeah. Well, and also there are things that they don't know. So even though you heard this about RS, but think about it, like cryptocurrency, it's becoming super complex. And now there's a lot of opportunities for tax companies as well on that accounting audit. And if you think, I don't know, investment income, it's also another hard one to get it. So there are peculiarities on this that it it makes it harder. And there's today no way for them to know. And many times, as crazy as as it sounds, the governments, they don't even communicate among themselves so social security does not communicate with the tax department with the health department or so they cannot even do those cross checks which you would imagine that they would be doing internally that's wild yeah yeah that's wild so okay so we talked through kind of how you know the taxpayer is so impacted by the process of paying taxes and how we could see the future maybe getting a bit easier there, a bit more transparent. But now let's turn to, okay, you 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 give your money to the taxing authority. And, you know, the hope is that our tax money, your tax money, will be pooled with everyone else's and will be used for the greater good. That's that's that that's that piece of trust. So most of the money that we pay on taxes, it's used to subsidize government expenses and needs, right? We should be the citizen's needs in the end. So this varies a lot per country and their priorities. So again, when I was teaching at NYU, we tried to do a comparison and look you know, in, through different countries in different continents, what were the two largest expenditures? So if you think about New Zealand, for example, they, the, first, the top two are social security and health. In China, it's education and social security. In Brazil, was welfare and health. And meanwhile, in U.S., you have social security. And the second one is defense, which for me was uh, a little bit of surprise. I didn't know that they spend so much money with defense. And just thinking, if you are a U.S. citizen, if you could decide, would you invest the tax money in defense or you would prefer to prioritize other expenses related to the citizens' well-being, like education or healthcare, for example. Okay, so let's talk about, you know, how blockchain can help. So I think you point out something really interesting about the, you know, the varying expenses and the differences from country to country. But even me, as a as a, I'm a U.S. taxpayer, the lack of visibility to how my money is being spent is something a bit eye-opening if you think about it, because sure, I could find, you know, okay, the U.S. spent X amount of dollars on defense or on healthcare, et cetera. But when it's in these giant numbers and, you know, I'm only paying a small amount and I look at this giant number, it feels very removed from me. And I don't feel like it's my, I feel like it's not related to me. I feel like I'm not really involved in this giant transaction. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally, right? It's so impersonal that that's why I think we don't care many times. I'm personally really interested in seeing my money flow through the government and then like come out somewhere rather than like, oh, it's just going to get lost in the abyss. <laughs> Coming from Brazil, it's just like hopeless when you think about the government and the politicians. You're like, okay, here goes another election. Oh my gosh, like who cares? It's it's just going to, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to steal our money. So what if we could change that? What if connecting this different part and we could share the data and allowing more collaboration and increase the transparency and the trust? If I knew I could make my politicians more accountable or the government more accountable, would that change the way I see taxes, for example? What if I could program rules into that decentralized ledger where instead of, like you said, me waiting for you to send me the, the return by the end of the year to see if that's what I expected, we could program the rules right away. And me as a government and you as a taxpayer, we could see that information real time. Wouldn't that improve our relationship and the trust and having that info real time like we have everything today? One thing that that sounded really hopeful in your in your discussion was, well, if you're looking at certain countries around the world, you gave the example of Brazil, but I think every country struggles with this to some extent, some more than others. There's this lack of trust that your government, you know, will use the money in a good faith way throughout the government from from start to finish. And something that I really value in the United States governance structure is the concept of checks and balances. I know that everything's been politicized and so that lessens some of the checks and balances and I think that's where you know as a country the US really needs to focus. So when you spoke about the power of blockchain and how we can all be involved that, that's something that stood out to me where it's almost like we can participate in that process of checks and balances where the public would act as almost a separate branch of the government where we are more involved, we're more aware, and perhaps that can lead to better actions on the part of public actors throughout the world. Well, and that's a great segue to tell you a little bit about my crazy view about taxes, which I don't think is crazy anymore. But when I start saying this to people, <laughs> they were, would laugh and like, yeah, actually, you're right, which was so. I believe that in some years, our kids or grandkids at least, right, they will come home one day and say, you know, I learned today in school that back in 2021, you used to give 40% of your salary to the government every month and you had no idea how the money was spent. What was wrong with you? <laughs> um, yeah. So like to the check and balance this question, I think, yes, I believe that potentially we could be tagging tax money, right, that we submit as payment to the government. And it will be possible one day, especially now with the implementation of what's called CBDC, which is Central Bank Digital Currencies, where they are digitizing the fiat money, like we saw in China, Eastern Caribbean, and Bahamas, for example. I believe it would be possible to tag the money and track where that money is being spent. So imagine right? If taxes could actually be paid, you know, potentially real time, no endless tax returns, and you could see that money, where that money is going. So how would you feel if you could tell that 
whatever it, the, that 40% that month that you gave to the government, which hopefully if that evolves would be much less because things should fall into place the, the, they could potentially reduce the, the taxes. Right. Because, because things could be more efficient and transparent. Right. And yes. Yeah. And avoid corruption and frauds from both sides, from the governments and the taxpayers. What if, and, and waste. <laughs> exactly. So what if you could know that that money is using to be, build a library or your neighborhood or subsidizing kids meal in a public school. I strongly believe that that could improve your and our relationship with taxes and the governments as well. It could actually be a pretty game changer. And going back to your point, I believe we as citizens, we should, and I say citizens because it's not only taxpayer, but right, because you might not file taxes, you don't have a taxpayer ID, but you're paying taxes every day when you buy something. And I believe it's it should be our role as a society, as a global society, which is just that concept is becoming more and more factor today with the digital economy, to be able to audit, to be able to think where that money should be going to potentially vote and have a say where you want the money to be going. And who knows, even get maybe the politician that you voted, you can get rid of it because they didn't accomplish what they said that they would. And there is an accountability. There is a way you can measure that. It sounds really optimistic. It sounds kind of futuristic, but I think, you know, I love your example about how, you know, maybe our grandkids will be able to look back and say, you guys, you were so outdated. Your expectations were so low. And I think that's really um, exciting. So I'm sharing all this information and it's real time and it's going to have, we're going to have a lot of benefits from this data sharing. But at the same time, maybe I'm worried about my privacy and I'm worried about so many computers or systems around the world having data that is so personal to me and having it decentralized in some ways makes me uneasy because I feel like more eyes could be looking at it. What would you say to that? Yeah. So as I'm working more of those projects, so technology is just one piece of the puzzle, right? There are many other things that we need to take into consideration, like in this case, regulatory and legal changes needed, privacy concerns, a governance of a blockchain like this, right? If you're talking potentially many governments exchange international tax data, all those things come into play. And actually, this is the challenge, but in my opinion, this is also what makes you know those projects so interesting because this is a multiculture, potentially, project. It could be a multi-skill project and it could be a collaboration project. So you need to have all the brains together and thinking, right? Because this is a shift of paradigm, how we could address those things. In the privacy specifically, right? We would need to know to think what is the data that that is being shared on the blockchain and how could we keep the privacy of that data through specific technologies such as point-to-point connection or off-chain storage. So, for example, if we have a bank information of a taxpayer, we don't want that into the blockchain, right? That should be in a local database and only be provided to the government, for example, on a request basis. So I believe we have all those challenges, and I don't want to minimize, because every time you get into this journey, you need to be aware that, like you said, this is optimistic, this is futuristic. Yes, it is, but somebody needs to do it. And through collaboration between private private and public sector, right, this could be key 
and it sh we should get innovative and regulatory people together in the same room, right? The lawyers and the, 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 the dreamers and starting to think how to move this and get somebody that is a strong leader to, to lead that. All these ingredients, in my opinion, they can move mountains. Maybe it's going to be slow, but we can overcome this sort of risks and reshape and design the future that we want, that we expect as the global society. You talked a lot about a lot of stakeholders being in the room together, you know, the dreamers with the pragmatists and all that. So what if you're a consumer and you love this idea and you you think this is the future, you're, you're convinced and you want to make it the future, you want to be a part of that. Is there something that consumers, individuals, taxpayers can do right now actively to push this vision forward? Yeah, so this is interesting because every time we're discussing this sort of projects, we say, well, you know, we have the chicken and the egg situation. How do I involve the governments and how do I involve institutions or the taxpayers? And then one will say, well, I'll wait for the other or the other one will say, no, I'll wait for the government first. So, but I, I strongly believe that you need to learn from the past and like first movers that like, Google, Apple, right? They decided to reshape and to be the first mover and think about a better future. And it clearly it is working. So from an individual perspective, if you're thinking, right, how can, like, this sounds crazy, it sounds like far away from my reality, but how about like just believing you can have a better society and act towards that? Not only sitting and expecting or complaining about the government, which is what I did when I live in Brazil. So I think that frustration, actually, it was uh, the boost that I needed to get into this, the, this career path that I am. Think better, who am I voting? Is that person, right? Are they innovative? Are their values, values aligned with yours? Are they looking for transparency, right? Thinking how these politicians or these candidates could be bringing this sort of things. I strongly believe that in the future, the governments will have they will start competing for the best um, talents by saying, hey, here in my country, it's completely transparent. Your you can see where your money is being spent. You have a better quality of life. And potentially, just like we have recruiters today doing that among companies, I guess that maybe in the future, the governments could do that as well. Who wants to come to work for me? I want the best brains. And I'm on, on, on return, I'm going to provide you this awesome quality of life. And you will see where your money is being spent. And who knows? I, I guess that could happen. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that could happen. And, and we're seeing that at the corporate level now, right? We see companies really competing with each other for talent. And I think a big part of that competition is about transparency. One other, one other worry in this sort of vision could be that if I'm a taxpayer and I, you know, and I want to see where my money's being spent, could there be a situation where I only want to see maybe the sexier topics, the things that are maybe a bit more trendy? How could we work through that obstacle? Yeah, so I think we're still going to have uh, the policies in place, you know, how the budget should be used. It, like, it's just within the law you just cannot say let me give all the money to education it just doesn't work like this and that i don't think that will change the point that i make most is like i would have a voice to be heard before like before the the, the time i vote 
then I would just care the next year when I vote again. Well, next four years when I vote again, that's where I would exercise my right of a, a citizen. And why not? I could exercise in more recurrent way and I will have a say, but it doesn't mean the government will need to wait for me to or to the citizens to do whatever they need to do. So you could have uh, a say or the power to audit or to analyze, you know, if that contract of that stadium is being performed as expected and have that transparency. So you still will have that balance. You cannot just, right, go and say. Yeah. Can you give that example of, um, you know, a soccer stadium or, sorry, football stadium (laughs) outside the U.S.? Uh, you know, if you you have a government that's looking to build a stadium and you'd like to stay apprised of that prog- process and that progress, how would that work? Well, you could have like a transparency portal where you could even like follow, right? Like we have today on social media, follow that project and then see what's going on. So I know that uh, usually government contracts are public, but it's just tagged somewhere. You don't even know where it is. You will never be able to find it if you're not related to it so you could have access to the contract you could have access to the progress and even potentially with blockchain what happens today in some charity startups they only unlock the funds of the next phase if you achieve the first phase so that could be also uh you could program those rules in a smart contract and say okay once we finish the field we're gonna do the roof but you could use smart contracts to fiscalize and give the, the citizens that transparency that we don't have today. That's really cool. And so I guess from the government side, what are some of the benefits that governments could gain from implementing these kinds of technologies and, and platforms? Well, going back, to, I think, to the point that I mentioned earlier, I think they will provide a better experience to their citizens, right? They would, I believe, they could be using that to compete for talents like we see in companies today. If you have a better quality of life in a specific country, would you be willing to move, I don't know, to Singapore and work there, knowing that you have good quality of life, your tax money is being spent on things that you believe? Would you? Just like... Today, we have organic, right, uh, vegetables. You choose to pay a little bit more expensive because you want that specific quality. When you choose maybe a different country because they have the values that are more aligned to to yours. And maybe your citizens are okay with higher taxes if they know that their taxes are having an impact, right? Well, and that's funny that you're saying this. When I move from Brazil to U.S., our income taxes in Brazil is 27%. And here, my first paycheck in New York, I was like, where is my money? Like 40%, it's gone. I'm like, how am I going to survive? I had no idea. But if you ask me, I prefer to pay the 40 than the 27 in Brazil just for the things that I get. And I feel safe. I have, uh, well, I won't go to the health system, but I have a better quality of life. I have a good transportation. So yes, I, I would say based on my personal experience, I would. So let's just wrap up with a final question. So we're always at this community. We're always looking to continue our growth, both personal and professional. And can you speak to one or two skills or areas of knowledge or just general things that you're looking to continue to develop or learn or, you know, an area where you want to grow at this point in your career, at this point in your life? Let's wrap up with that. I think getting more and more used to 
the idea of it's not only between my four walls, I need to go beyond to try to reshape the future and to make an impact in our society. Me by myself or my company won't be able to do that. Okay, thank you so much, Louisa, for joining us today. It was so educational. You did convince me that maybe this isn't 40 years down the line. Maybe it's more like five to six. Well, maybe that's high. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe 10 to 15. Sometimes I joke. I'm like, I really hope I'm alive to see those things. (laughs) But it is happening. Like, I see it happening. So it gives me hope. It's very hard to say when. But like I said, if if you don't start, if you don't have a first mover, it won't happen. And somebody needs to take that step. Totally. And you are there alongside that, those trailblazers, you're included in those. And I'm so excited that we had you today. Thank you so much for giving us a bit of your time and some of your knowledge and thought process. So have a great day. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Louise's description of a world where we could be tagging our money and tracking it through to impact is really exciting. It would make the fiscal experience so much more personal and can really lead to greater government accountability, like we discussed. And that would help optimize the impact of every single dollar. And Louisa talked about following a project. It's really not that hard to imagine being able to do that, given all the different things we follow today. You know, if you vote for a politician and that politician promises a new initiative on, let's say, public housing, When you want to track that throughout the year instead of looking backwards at the next election cycle and thinking, well, did they follow through with that promise? And wait, what was the promise after all? What exactly did they say they'd do? And like I said at the beginning of the show, anything that increases the government transparency and makes our relationship better is good for the public trust. And that's something that's great for a stable society, which we love to see here, because that's how you foster human rights all around the world. Stable societies are the first part, right? So thank you so much for joining us today on Unlocking Impact. We so appreciate your time and your support. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the show. And as always, if you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover, you can email me directly at sarah at unlockingimpact.com. I hope you join us next week.